Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. That babe that would be in the manger who would give his life for ours. He would come in this miracle of childbirth. He would live the perfect life and then offer that life for us. Lord, as we celebrate this Christmas season, we're reminded of the different players, uh, characters who were a part of this story. And we're reminded of each of their gifts, what they offered to the Christ child. And it reminds us, Lord, of the gifts that we too have to offer the Christ child. Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts, that you would send your spirit upon us, that you would allow us, Lord, to worship you powerfully this morning, that as we hear your word, that it would, Lord, we've heard this passage many times, and yet there's something fresh and new in this passage. May we see that this morning. Lord, open our eyes to understand Joseph's plight. To understand how he may have felt in the situation he walked into. And to look at his response. Lord, we are thankful we are gathered this morning. Thankful to be in your house. Thankful for a chance to worship. Open our hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Scripture this morning is from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, and I know you've heard it. So I'll ask you to think about it maybe in a little different way or to listen for something new. Uh, You're more than welcome to read along or look on the overhead. Matthew 1.18 says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. May God add his blessing as we continue to worship. We're thankful to be here and thankful, Lord, to hear of your word and to be reminded of the story of this babe child. And Lord, to be 
in the shoes of Joseph just for a moment to understand where he might come from and, Lord, to understand his actions and to realize that his gift was enormous. May our gift, Lord, reflect what you have given us, a hope of eternity, an understanding, Lord, that this is not all there is, a reminder that that baby would grow up and take my sin to the cross. And my responsibility is to share that with others. Lord, I pray that even now you'd be opening up our minds and our ideas, ideas for gifts that are a part of our life that we could share with others this Christmas season. Gifts that you have given us. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And if you're a children, you may run. That's a good point. Not allowed to run at home, but you sure as heck can run in, at church, right? Good morning. So what's the question I was going to ask you? What do you remember from what I told you last week? Not off the hook, remember? Uh, you're grounded, Lee. What are your gifts? Thank you. What are your gifts? Anybody, anybody think about their gifts this week? Let me remind, well, I'll, I'll help. Let me remind you where we started. First week we, did, we talked about the Magi, right? And what was their gift? Does anybody remember? I know that's two weeks, last two weeks prior, so that's a ways ago. What was their gift? Do you remember? Oh, man. You need to go back and listen on YouTube again. Their gift was honored. Do you remember that? They saw a star and they, they knew that this King Jesus was born. He would save the world. Do you remember that? And they honored him with gifts. And they went off and found him. Okay, last week. What was the shepherd's gift last week? Do you remember that? You guys have been sleeping. Messengers, okay. Started with an H. Give me an H. No, not hope. Humility. Remember that? That, that? that shepherds would get the opportunity to share the story with people that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And they would get the opportunity to go there and show um, and see this baby. And it reminds us that, that they came in humility, right? We remember that they were not the, uh, the cleanest or the nicest or they didn't have the best job. And a lot of times it was like um, the last job you might want unless you were uh, kind of like to live on your own. And the other part of that was it reminded us that Jesus came for all of us, no matter where we're at in life, no matter whether we are of high stature, whether we uh, have been successful in the world, whether we're homeless, doesn't matter where we're at, that Jesus came for each, uh, each one and every one of us. And today we're going to talk about Joseph's gift. 
And my, and my, my understanding is that Joseph's gift was his reputation. So let's talk about reputation. What is it that is most valuable in someone's reputation? Integrity, okay. What else? What's most valuable in a reputation? What, what's right? Trustworthy, I heard. Honor, thank you. What else? What's, what is... Humility, okay. Character. Predictability. So let me ask you as, as Christians, is your reputation important to you? Does it matter? Do you, do you care what people think? And why? Why do you care about that? Okay, my wife says she represents Christ. And so that reputation is important. I don't want to be a stumbling block. That's a, that's a, that's a great one in Scripture comes out of Scripture directly. Why else is your reputation important? Who cares? Your life. Your light. Okay, yes. For some of us, our reputation is more important than anything else, is it not? Because I can't stand here if I have a bad reputation. I'm not going to stand here very long. You're going to be throwing tomatoes at me. Or worse, right? Our reputation, I've always said this to a lot of people, especially young people. Reputations are easy to get and hard to change, right? We've heard that. We've, I've said that a, a, a million times, especially to young people who are doing the wrong thing, right? You're not, doing, you're not going down the right path. Understand that your reputation is really going to be easy to get, and it's really going to be hard to change once you've got it. They have done, I'll tell you how that works out in real life. They have done studies on kids in school who have failed at an early age for whatever reason. Um, I mean, some things are like dyslexic, those kind of things. They have failed at an early age in school and, are, and continue to go through the school system never getting the help they need. And their reputation of being a bad student follows them all the way through high school and all the way into adult life. And that's why it's so important for us to make those changes at an early age. That reputation for not being a good student, and you know, I was, I was actually one of those kids. Uh, if you know anybody from my past, you'd find out really quickly that my reputation was anything but good student. <laughs> that seemed like a silly idea to me. I could get Ds just as easily as I could get Bs, and I don't know, D's passed, so why would you get B's? That sounded like extra work to me. As I read this passage this week, my understanding of, of uh, one's reputation changed some. And I want to share that a little bit of that with you this morning. Because when I look at this story about Joseph, this young man... Let's just think about it for a minute. Joe and Mary, they're engaged, right? They're engaged, what we would call engaged. They're, they're, they're um, committed to each other, right? Um, you may have remembered uh, the scripture 
If you have NIV, it says they're pledged to be married. If you're a KJV, you might remember the word espoused or uh, betrothed. Those are nice big words. Uh, for engaged. They had made a commitment to each other. Now, there were some things that were different back then than there are now. But not a lot different. This engagement idea was up to a year in their time. And there was a gift given of some sort. What do we give now for engagement? Ring, right? We give a ring, and that, that's a sign of this engagement. And then nowadays we videotape that, right? <laughs> we see that on Facebook a lot. We see these uh, uh, secret cameras where, where someone gives their uh, girlfriend a, uh, a ring, and it's a surprise, and we love those. Those are great. Back then, it would be up to a year where they would spend this time being betrothed, to be, being committed, where they had no union, they didn't live together. Um, the, the husband-to-be was, had a responsibility of making a place for them to live, right? Having a place where they would stay, not in their mom's basement, that wasn't the plan. Uh, he, would, he would have to save his money and get a place and get all the things together. And we see that now, right? So we have um, wedding showers, right, to help get the right, all the dishes they need and all the things they might uh, have. But all along, there's this commitment between the husband and the wife to be. And the goal all along is that they will live life happily ever after. Right? Until... Mary comes back. Did you see the video where she's riding back on the back of the, the wagon? And the situation gets pretty ugly pretty quick, does it not? Because it doesn't take Joseph long to figure out that Mary is six months pregnant. And we don't have all of the details in Scripture. Um, we probably wouldn't want to know <laughs> what might have been said during those moments. But let's be honest. They're fully committed to each other to be married. Mary comes home, and she's pregnant. Now, if you don't, we do know the end of the story. But let's just step back away from the end of the story for a moment and think about how Joseph must have felt in that moment that he had trusted her and felt betrayed. That obviously when she was gone seeing Elizabeth, something inappropriate happened. And what does Mary say? I did nothing wrong. And we know that that's the truth. But I'm sure that was a very difficult conversation that Joseph and Mary had at that moment. Do you know why that was a difficult uh, discussion to have? Does anybody know what the law was of the day? We don't do it anymore. He had every right to have her publicly disgraced and stoned. As in, get out in the street. Look it up in Deuteronomy 22 is where that comes from. But the scripture says, this, that she would be taken to the city gates and whoever she was with would have been taken to the city gates and both would be stoned. 
This was not an inconvenience on Joseph's part. This was a life and death situation. And yet we get a sense that Joseph loved her. Did he not? I guarantee you this, he had a headache trying to navigate this problem. I'm sure you haven't felt this in a long time, but there are times in life where it feels like there are no good answers to situations. Only less bad answers, right? Well, I want to share with this real quick about, um, not that I'm a big Warren Buffett fan, but I, I think this, I'm, I'm behind, just so you know. Uh, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things differently. That's, that's kind of where the world's at, right? If A reputation is everything. If you own a business, your reputation is everything, right? You tarnish that reputation and you get... And, and everyone uh, remembers that further down the road. So how does Joseph respond to this issue of dealing with his, one, dealing with his girlfriend who seems to have been unfaithful, and in the back of his mind, dealing with his own reputation? What kind of woman are you going to marry? How will you respond to that? Do you publicly disgrace her? And what does it say in our scripture today? It says, Joseph, her husband-to-be, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, uh, was minded to put her away secretly. He had in, a mind, had in his mind to divorce her quietly and, and separate and go on his way. That was his decision. Although this is going to hurt, and it's going to hurt me, and publicly the right, the right thing to do is uh, to stone her, then I'm right, then my reputation's intact. I haven't uh, hurt my reputation at all. And she's the guilty party. But somewhere in there, Joseph loved her. And he had in his mind, it says, to not expose her to that public disgrace and to divorce her quietly. Even though he was going to hurt, he decided that he couldn't live with that blood on his hands. And he still wanted to protect her and this child. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a really difficult answer to the question of reputation. Essentially, he took his reputation and he threw it out. Because he could have protected it. But he decided not to. I've lived my whole life thinking my reputation is what I is the only thing I got. And then I watched Joseph throw his reputation down for what? For what reason? Well, he had a little help, right? He had a little help. Fell asleep and had a dream. So as an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream, and what does it say? Remember what the angel said? 
angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Mary, take Mary home as your wife. Don't worry about it. Just take her home. Because what she has conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about what's going on. I don't know about you, that's a challenge for me. Don't worry about your reputation. It's all good. I always jokingly say, I, you know, when I hear in Scripture of these dreams or when angels come to people, or like when Abraham is told to take his son and sacrifice him, I always think, did they just have really bad pizza that wasn't good and right before bedtime and, and have a bad nightmare? How do these things come about and how do they know that God is talking to them? Because Joseph, he tells Joseph, listen, just take her home, make her your wife, do the right thing. And he had a decision to make, did he not? He had a, a lot of questions. Take her home. And I don't know if you notice in the scripture that very quickly we see where, that Joseph is reminded of what uh, one prophecy. He knew the Jewish prophecy. And I believe supernaturally that God was able to help him as he helps us. The Holy Spirit in him to understand things that we might not understand otherwise. Right? Because we all know how someone gets pregnant. <laughs> And I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody else in the whole wide world in the history of time that has gotten pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And so, in my mind, the odds are really against this idea of the Holy Spirit, right? Hence the reason we call it a miracle. Because every other child that's ever been conceived was conceived in a different way. And so, to me, Joseph had to have this supernatural understanding of what was going on to be able to make the best decision. That the Holy Spirit came into him and under, helped him understand that what was going on was not normal. Was not, well, I mean, if the angel Gabriel comes to you in a dream, that's probably not normal either, right? <laughs> There's a lot of not normal going on. In the scripture, in the next verse, it says, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had uh, said through his prophet, the prophet Isaiah, by the way. I'll share that with you in a second. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I can't help and wonder if, like sometimes, as a believer, that scriptures come into our mind, and it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's like this big... Uh, a roar, you know, it's like, whoa, there's the verse I needed. You guys ever have that happen? You're walking through something and it's like, headlights, you know. And I can't help but think that maybe Joseph, during this dream, had the exact same thing happen. He heard that Isaiah passage. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And I guarantee you that he had no idea before then what that meant until his girlfriend came home with child. And her story didn't line up with her physical attributes. And so Joseph remembers that scripture in Isaiah. 
And he remembers that we will call him Emmanuel. God with us. Doesn't that just make complete sense? It must have made complete sense to Joseph because he changed what he was planning on doing. Despite his reputation being tarnished, he made a decision to do what God wanted him to do. And in the next verse, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. I'm assuming he got married at that moment or at that time. Obedience over his reputation. He decided that obedience to God was going to be more important than his reputation as a man. For some of us, that's really hard. For some of us, that's very, very difficult to come to terms with. Because we've learned that our reputation is all we have. And I wonder if sometimes it doesn't get in the way of making the best decision. When I look at Scripture and I see people um, making these decisions that I have a hard time fathoming, the Abraham decisions, right? That's hard for me to understand. Okay, take your son, take him, (laughs) and sacrifice him. Then I'll know that you trust me. I pray that I never have that test. And all I can think of is, what's he going to tell his wife? Right? He does tell her, we'll be back. I'm assuming that meant at that moment he was like, I hope we'll be back. <laughs> right? Let me take you to Philippians. Because Philippians chapter 2 is an example of how we should be. Now, this is in the King James Version mostly because uh, it uses the word reputation. Um, In the NIV, it says he made himself nothing. But in in the King James Version, it says, but he made himself no... We're talking about Jesus coming to earth and going to the cross. He made himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant... The human, a man, made in the likeness of men. And then he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. We know that song, he could have called 10,000 angels. You know that song? That's an old... He could have called 10,000 angels. And in my mind, that's what makes sense. Right? There's a man who was God himself in the flesh... Why would he allow people to treat him so poorly? That's not fair. Doesn't seem okay or right. We're reminded that during the interrogation that he kept silent. It says as a lamb led to slaughter. That doesn't seem fair to me either. That the Son of God, God Himself in the flesh, would come to earth, live a perfect life, 
and just die for me. His reputation in the world's eyes, probably not all that good. My reputation, not nearly, <laughs> not nearly that good. About 12 years ago, I put in an application for a position here. 12 years, it's a long, long time. And as I got to the, the application together, it plagued me so. I put it together and it, it bothered me as I put it together. One, I, I was just searching where God would have me to go. And uh, the other half was the reputation part. Understanding uh, my past and understanding that I didn't really want to fail. Anybody else like to not fail? Yeah, if you don't put your application in, you know what? You can't fail. Just don't put your application in. That was easy. That was what I wanted to do. And yet God was tugging on my heart. Listen, you need to put your application in. And there were months of trying to get things in order and putting it together. Uh, I came and spent about three hours one day with Pastor Dave. We just talked about it in the office. And I told him, I was just being honest, I don't want to do this because I don't want to fail. If I know it's going to work, then great. I'll put my application in. But if I don't know that, I'm not going to do that. That seems like a silly idea. And he gave me this passage, and I, I want to give it to you. It's out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And if you read the whole chapter, you'll be reminded. But it, seems, it says, Paul is saying, but it seems to me that God has put us apostles, believers in Christ, Followers of Jesus on display at the end of the procession. Like those condemned to die in an arena. We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as human beings. A.K.A. Fools for Christ. And Pastor Dave asked me this question, and it was a tough he said, are you willing to be a fool for Christ? And that was hard for me to accept. Because I don't know about you, but I like it when my reputation is good. When I do something and people see the good in it. But I don't know about you, but I don't know that I want to be at the end of the procession. Do you understand what that means? Not a Spongebob parade, but I like the picture. It made me feel good about it parades this morning what Paul's saying here is this they would come back from war you know where parades started they were a war thing they would come back and they would parade their armies back they would bring all their horses and all their military might we still see a little bit of that today and you know what was at the end of the procession the losing army yes thank you the army that had lost, they would be in shackles and chains. And guess where they were headed? They were going to, good chance they were going to die. They had no, no, no right to anything. They were put on parade to remind the people that this army had whooped the other army. Hadn't killed them all, but they brought some back to kill there. Or at least put in jail. 
And Paul says, I feel like as a believer in Christ that that is where we are and where we should be. Of no reputation. That our faith in Christ is bigger than our reputation as a person. And I believe that that was Joseph's gift to the Christ child. He gave up his right to his name. So that when Jesus came, he would have a a, a place, a father and a mother. He gave up that reputation. And I think he seals the deal with the last verse. says he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. He got married to Mary. He took her home and he did what was right and protected her. There was no honeymoon when they got married. He did the right thing. And I believe that that was his gift. And I believe for some of us, our reputation is bigger than our faith in some ways. And if it's not always, it is sometimes, right? There are some times when we struggle. I always try not to speed too much when I'm around locally because people know who my car is. I don't want people to think I have a battery. i, I got to be careful who I pass because someone will know. He came, Jesus came of no reputation. He took it to the cross with no reputation. He took on all of those things that they said about him, that they lied about him. He took that to the cross. I don't know about you, and I hope I never get to be in that position, but if if my life is on the line, I'm going to be defending it with my mouth probably. I won't be the lamb led to slaughter who was quiet. That's hard for me to fathom. That Jesus, knowing full well what was about to happen, and that he was righteous, and that he lived his perfect life, would take it to the cross without saying a word. I can't fathom that. And yet I believe it because Scripture tells me that. Believers in Christ, we have a responsibility to put Jesus first. If you don't know who Jesus is or you don't have that relationship with Him, that's the kind of guy you want to follow. I've always said that one of the best business models out there is leading by example. Not only business model, but uh, model of leadership. Leading by example. Jesus took it to the cross and he led by example. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the sacrifice that you took and went to the cross with. Lord, we're reminded 
that you did it for each one of us. And that, Lord, you have offered a way out for those of us, for all of us, who have sinned. You have given us an opportunity, Lord, to right the wrongs that we can't right on our own. Lord, we've all sinned. We all know we have fallen short of your glory. And yet, you have offered your life in place of ours. And we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.